counter. The official counter. The official water cooler counter. OSA, thank you very much for uh, Desktop Server for helping us out with this particular episode. We're streaming this on all the places that Say's mom uh, watches us on on the YouTubes, on Facebook, on uh, on Twitter. We're on everything. We're doing all the things. So feel free to go take a look at it on whatever thing it is that you're watching us on. Platform agnostic. Yeah, and if you don't want to watch the show live, I totally get it. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, you can also watch us um, in a pre-recorded state. Um, you can download it as an audio podcast and listen Sometimes to it. Sometimes it doesn't so work out. com slash subscribe. That's where you can find out that information over there. Alrighty. So today, we, we did a little bit of pre-show prep. We even talked about the show before the show, which is, I know, it's it's crazy. And before we get into that, I want to go, I want to get everyone, um, I want to get everyone introduced, but I I wanted to kind of use that introduction time as a way of kind of bridging the gap into the the particular topic. So the the topic idea is how do you go from a social media platform to um, your own website? And so I wanted to ask you if you can remember, what was the software that you're using for your personal website? Or what was the thing that you were using to um to to host your personal website was it like myspace or was it you know whatever so when? Let's, go, let's go around the room real quick and Four? everyone introduced yeah just Brianna, before now tell us about yourself <laughs> hi my name is brianna privet of techno siren and back in 1996 i sat in say's garage and we built some geocities websites together yeah that's where we got started or you know i got started anyway <laughs> What was that neighborhood called? It was probably, probably like Boho oh, or something. Mine was in Soho, yeah. Soho, yeah. Right. <laughs> so we're like, we totally it archive. It's still online. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember that in one of your talks. That yes. Was, that was cool. Yeah, was last year. Last year. Very cool. Uh, how about you, uh, Joshua? Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm Joshua Gould. I live in Idaho, up here in the cold, close to Canada, but I love it. I was thinking my... The first website that counts was probably around 2006 using HTML frames and they were horrible because I would have to redo the header on every single page every single time I decided to change the text or the logo or the menu until Jonathan showed me this beautiful thing called PHP includes and then I pretty much felt like I was a PHP developer at that stage. Like I, I thought that I, I knew what I was doing. Where it was hosted, Jonathan might remember. It would have probably been whatever I asked him in a small orange. A small orange.com, I think, is where I first hosted. And it was a little website I made for uh, basically a nonprofit idea that I had and did all the graphics for and didn't really go anywhere, but it was a lot of fun to build it. Cool. How about you, Jonathan? My name is Jonathan Wold. I, uh, hold on, let me give it I work, live, teach, preach WordPress. You can't have that. That's copyrighted. <laughs> no, it's not. You can you can say it. My first uh, man, I'm not like I definitely did some HTML stuff, but where I, where it counts for me was WordPress. Um, I I mean I had okay. HTML sites, but the now you both said counts. What counts? Counts. Where it really fulfilled like all my hopes and dreams for it. Well, I think where it ticked the boxes of being able to call it a website. 
So it wasn't hosted by somebody else, but rather hosted by something that you controlled versus like a, a MySpace or, or a blog. Yeah. Like I definitely had some HTML and PHP sites before that. So, I mean, those, those count. I just don't really remember them as well as like, all right, now I'm like controlling the thing. I think the first website you might've made would have been passed around on a floppy disk. I feel like you probably <laughs> built it in HTML and would share it with me. Um, and I, I remember having a MySpace, but to me, that didn't feel like a website because I didn't do all the stuff with it. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Say? What do you got? Well, my name's Say Reed, and I make WordPress t-shirt, push, push, shirt, push, at Say Reed Media on all the things. When you say it that fast, you can say it. Okay, no, just kidding. Um, so it happens after six years of saying the same thing what did uh, geocities as brianna already mentioned i don't know the first site that i uh like every like everything i built sites in html i don't even know what they, they were just in html like these tables like i don't even know like i built yes. like sites actually i was talking about one this morning with my uh mom i she did a uh she's the president or president she's ceo of her company and um she was in a bunch of associations when that stuff was just coming out. So I was just talking with her about the women transportation seminars, Inland Empire chapters website this morning. So that was one and that was a really long time ago. And I was actually thinking about it because I was using, I was thinking about the graphics that we used at the top, like the little square color blocks, like at the top of like a little like sidebar thing that was like not a sidebar because it was, you know, not dynamic obviously in any sense, but really <laughs> funny that you asked that question though. Cause I literally was thinking about this morning. It was so purple. Like I can remember it was purple and gray. Now I want to know if that's online. Now I have to go. <laughs> my yeah, evolution's a little, my, my evolution's a little weird. Cause I, I started out with, um, if I remember right, it was movable type, which used uh, a CGI bin Perl script to do its thing. And then I ended up uh, doing HTML and then HTML led to SHTML, which was doing server-side includes, which kind of gets to what Joshua was talking about. The idea of kind of doing, you know, theming, if you will, not having to update every single page, but just the, the main one. But then it went into like LiveJournal and LiveJournal was like the spot that I wrote all my stuff. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that place turned into like this massive, crazy Russian owned uh, ridiculousness that, that it is now. But what it was but, back then was really awesome is what I took my, my first WordPress website and pulled all the data from it using some Perl script that somebody wrote probably and yeah, it uh, put it into WordPress. Yeah. And the thing, the nice thing about LiveJournal was that it was a dovetail between you had your personal space and you had a community a friend, yep. the timeline, a feed, you could see when people had posted, you know, juxtaposed basically against your own site. So like the interface, it really was a bridge between the two things we're talking about today. But yeah, I, I appreciated how easily LiveJournal was sucked into my WordPress blog because I built a website at Brianna.org in 1998, hosted on a pair. Nice and, and that was, thank you. Yeah. It, uh, it sounds like it was a long time ago, but it had previously been a porn site. So um, <laughs> I've owned the domain now for 20 years and I wow. saw like, the weirdest emails, but <laughs> so, it, it was PHP. And um, when I migrated it to WordPress in 2004, 2000, yeah, late 2004, uh, that was the first thing I did was import all my live journal entries mm. and, you know, 
I if, made all those private when I did that. I was like, okay, all of them are going private. I'm going to take you that are that are relevant. But at least I have a document of it. Like there's a yeah. place that all that content exists. You guys ever want to do something really interesting? Go on archive.org and look up your site or someone else's site. Oh yeah, be- Wayback Machine is that yeah. that saved my butt many a times. I wanted oh, to get a. I'm used to repetitive. It's like uh, I find the stuff that I wrote as a teenager and like. Oh man, it's yeah. I have been very thankful that I basically became an adult right at the tail end of when all this stuff was happening. <laughs> so my teenage life is not really documented like some of my younger friends, and I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Me too. I never used Live Journal. I read a lot of Live Journal though. I really did, but I did not write on it. I was never comfortable with that level of sharing. I've never been comfortable with that. With like, the, I, I mean, I love blogging, but I've never been comfortable personally using that in a personal sense. So I've never had a blog. Yeah, there's like a layer of abstraction, right? Where you're not talking about the most personal things, but you are talking about things. I never really had a blog like that. I just, I, 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 uh, I, I should have because I would have had one for freaking ever now if I had done that. But, um, but I never, I, um, I, I was more of, I guess, kind of a lurker in a way where I would like engage like you know i go to all of <laughs> comment on everything and whatever like i'm there but i'm not necessarily wasn't contributing information so i didn't have anything to transfer over my first main wordpress site was um for my business for my bookstore and that's theming that is where i learned um uh, which brianna built i think originally or she hosted because she had a hosting company um so she was my host <laughs> back in the day theme and like you hacked at it it was awesome actually yeah it, so. was, it was neat because it was a conversation like working on that theme with you was like the yeah. original and then you built your own for it it was very cool it was it was very cutting edge at the time we had like you know book directories and event directories before any of that happened so you know not, none of that's very well documented though because too busy doing the thing to document the thing maybe that's always been the problem mm. So how do we bridge that gap between a social, a social media or social platform like Facebook, like Twitter, like any of these things to your personal website and in the personal website, we say personal website because we don't want to focus on just the blog part of it, but also like all the other fun things that you can do on a website other than a blog thing. And so how do you kind of take that and, and turn it, you know, Oh, you hear all these people that are like, oh, t- 2019, I'm switching. I'm, I'm no longer going to use Facebook. I'm only going to use Twitter. And I started using Twitter for a couple minutes. And I'm like, oh, my God, how do you guys even do any of this stuff in Twitter? Like half this stuff's like 500 years old. Nothing's out of, nothing's in order. All asynchronous. Pop up. I'm like, oh, this is, this is, yeah, this is not a way of running the discussion. How do you I think get- the thing for me, for my personal website is I've always put more carefully curated information on there. I think about something, I carefully write about it and I'll put well thought out pictures and illustrations on it. On Facebook, it's been more just let things fly because I don't worry too much. And Instagram has been a little bit more in the middle there. Uh, so on social media platforms, it's very quick and easy to post things. So I'll just post things that are more ephemeral that I don't care about later. On my own website, I just put a lot more time into it. I think that's the biggest difference for me. And on my own website, it's, it's not easy to just in 10 seconds pop out a thought. It takes me about five minutes. I got to go to my laptop. I've got to pull up things and write. I mean, that is not to bring up Gutenberg, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> that is literally um, like write Matt's vision. 
is to reduce the amount of time between you doing that mm. uh, in terms of the mobile app, in terms of just being able to pick it up and like bust something out and just send it. Yeah, you, you tap an app on your phone and you, you type, pull in an image and press publish. So that, that, right. If you can get it that easy, suddenly it could become, it could overtake but some of the platforms. The real problem actually, I don't think isn't the publishing. I think publishing is actually really well done. I think the problem is people finding things and knowing where people's things are. And people want to Are you agreeing or you have a comment? <laughs> like, is that like a plus one? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I, like one of the things I think is worth discussing is the difference between um, like the, the creation versus consumption. And I think a lot of folks like a website and people can use like platforms for creation, but a lot of people, I, I would posit, use it to consume. And there, there are barriers of entry. It's, it's more of a creative barrier than a technical barrier. Yes. Uh, and there are, there are legitimate technical barriers as well that need to be resolved. But ultimately, I think there's some like deeper issues around people not feeling like they have something to create, which isn't true. <laughs> And well, it's not even just about creating though. The internet is a really weird place right now. And people feel like if they're being personal, if they're sharing themselves, even if they're sharing politics or a news article, that gets contentious really quickly. And I think people don't want to expose that. Younger generations are more conscious of personal branding than I think we were at the inception of the web. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids are curating their presences. They don't think about what they're doing on Instagram as creation necessarily, but they do think of it as curation. And so I think that, you know, I talk about it in terms of playfulness and creativity, but that's because that applies to me and how I've approached the web, but I'm old and I've been on the web for a very long time and how people today are using it are vastly different. I mean, we're, we're using our phones, you know, we're not hacking code. We don't want to, most people don't want to, they want to post a picture. They want to use a filter and make it beautiful, or they want to get sponsored, you know, so they can go somewhere cool and live a curatable life. And that is already, we're offline. We're talking about how people are living their lives and how that translates back to social media is people want a conversation, but a lot of people want an audience. So, you know, you know, so in Seth Godin's book, uh, his new book called This is Marketing, he talks a lot about the concept of status and how we as humans, a lot of what we do is for status amongst ourselves, like the sense that we want to belong to something. These network effects kick in when like, I, he has this great example and he talks a lot about like early adopters who kind of do things and then people like, oh, well, they want to like take part. They want, they want to have some of that status that you get from it. So they'll also kind of do it. So it's interesting with any of these topics, you have to dig a little bit deeper into our intrinsic motivations as humans. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to, like some people won't want to create if no one's watching. Yes. Right. Others don't have that motivation. They want to create for the sake of creation because, but it's, so we have to keep some of that stuff in mind when you get into these topics. Otherwise you can, why isn't this working? Why does no one, why doesn't everyone not want to create their own website? Because that, that in itself isn't what they're after. They're after status. The motivation is important because on my own personal website for the last three or four years, I've turned off comments and I rarely even check analytics. Um, every once in a while, someone, a friend will say, Hey, I, I, saw, I like the article or I'll get a comment. Um, and that happens maybe once a week or once a month. So the motivation for me, I've intentionally made it that I'm not trying to get, this feedback loop, I'm trying to just 
have a place where I want to go write things and create things. I just say too, that's not a trivial conclusion. Like I, I also did the same. I took analytics entirely off my site, which is a little bit hard. It was hard because like, we're so wired to like, Oh, I want to see the number of impressions, the number of hits. But ultimately I had to say what, what actually matters to me. And for me personally, it's actual impact. So I would rather someone tell me that, that it helped them uh, or in some other way than just get a bunch of people looking at it. I'm curious who here still does private journaling. I, I, I go off and on about six months out of the year. I'll, I'll do it. Um, yeah. I was I, literally just having a conversation about that like two days ago. Cause it's all very topical. Cause that's, that, that's <laughs> the interesting thing too. If you private journal, then that means you're, you're getting your thoughts out in a format that's completely just for you. So when you do go to the web or to a social platform, you clearly know there's a disconnect between the type of content you're creating uh, when, if you're used to doing private journaling. I, I think there's also something in that, like just that private um, public split in terms of if you're not, well, not even the private public split, but like if you are a writer and you're writing and that's a way that you express yourself and you get your thoughts out, that's really different than someone who maybe talks and that's how they do stuff. So, you know, I have various friends where I talk about things. That's how I'm a, you know, that's how I process stuff, right? Like, even though I can write and I'm a writer, that's not how stuff gets processed for me. And I think that the web has been to, to, to still right now, it's shifting, obviously, with Facebook and Instagram, it's been shifting to visual from writing based Mm -hmm. live journal and all of that. And that has, I think, enabled more people to participate because it's not, you know, there's, there's something to be said. There's a formalization process <clears throat> of writing. That's not as just like, boom, here that's it is. I point. know what it looks like. What? That, that's a good point because I think of all my friends who are now posted on Instagram very comfortably. So because they can do pictures and one line of text and they're very excited and happy to do that. Right. I, and I think the web has been almost exclusionary. You know, we talk about accessibility a lot in terms of literal ability, seeing, you know, that hearing, that type of stuff. But we don't talk a ton about neurodiversity, which is a, a, something I learned about this year. Um, and the different ways that people process information, the different ways that people want to publish, want to express themselves. And there's all sorts of different types of that. So I think the web has been sort of exclusionary up till now, you know, and even web stuff to a certain degree, there's a, there's a, you know, if you, if you do it, like even with this show, right, we've been doing this for six years, but I mean, we don't, a lot of us don't really like, we're not like out there, like hitting the pavement and like, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. Like Jason does, you know, his, his publications and whatever, but I don't know. It's I'm like not a, a great writer though. Well, I'm just like saying it's all. like, it's a different medium, but we're obviously not doing it for, you know, that status. So it's kind of like, this is in a way like a personal blog, you know what I mean? Like this is where I come yeah. and I talk about my things about WordPress and that's a, a form of expression that is, is. interesting. And, and that's not as, see, that's not as intuitive to the website part. And so the website has almost up until this moment kind of excluded those people. That's why social media hasn't done that. You can take a picture, et cetera. The website, you have to write, you have to do stuff. I There's think possibly this could change with the new stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah, I, I just want to make a quick comment on status, just to kind of clarify that um, as Seth talks about in the book, it's not an inherently negative or positive thing. It's just knowing where you fit because some people don't want higher status. They actually want lower status because they, so they can be more obscure, but it's this basic idea of understanding where you fit sense of identity. And for us as humans, like 
like we want to like, oh, I'm part of this thing. Like people and Seth calls like people like us do things like this. Like we we want that sense as humans. Brianna. I just think that there was a point at which it was easier to centralize things from a personal WordPress based website where you could post once and publish it mm. across networks and pull data back so that you were engaging in a conversation still within your personal ecosystem. Um, a lot of effort has been made by Facebook and Twitter to make that impossible. And mm-hmm. constantly with their constant yeah. API changes and they're um, like, snip, 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 snip. No, you can't. It makes a huge difference. But going back to what you were saying about neurodiversity, I also think, I mean, we just passed a major gift giving holiday. A lot of people have voice assistants and, I think that we're going to see kind of an explosion in publishing to the web using voice interfaces Um, as someone who is both a developer and we'll just say neurodiverse, you know, I, and a futurist, you are totally a futurist. Let's be real. I am. All I I just have to say is real quick. Instagram did horizontal scrolling this week. Brianna's been pushing horizontal scrolling since like 1998. So just so we're clear. Yeah, but you know, I changed. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm like, but I want to do the thing. But yeah, I think voice assistants are going to make a huge difference to accessibility in personal publishing on the web. Mm-hmm. But we're not seeing it yet, and I don't think companies are going to be the ones to drive that vanguard. They'll provide the hardware, but we still, as developers and as um, champions mm-hmm. of publishing on the web, whatever that looks like, video text, image, we are the ones who are going to basically be showing people how to do that. You know, like this is, this is us as early adopters. Jason, actually, uh, you have with your lift thing that you've been doing, you're like lift diaries. So Jason's yeah. been lifting. I don't know if we've really talked about it on the show at all, but, and chronicling that, um, and you do a voice blog thing, right? Like yeah. you dictate it straight up and then publish it. Yeah, I dictated. Um, well, I, I made the I made the choice of doing the dictation into a, a, a software or app that I use on my phone called Drafts. And so Drafts, you just hit the little record button, and you know, Drafts is made for a bunch of things, but it's mainly like a place to capture your data first before you do something else with it. So I was using Drafts dictation system to kind of do this dictation. And I said up front, just to let you know, and I even said it while dictating it, just to let you know, whatever it is that Siri comes up with as the thing <laughs> that I say, I am not editing this. So it is what it is. And that's it. If it says I picked up a white elephant, I picked up a white <laughs> elephant. It, I, I'm sorry, but that, that's just what happened. And that's it. But I take that data and then I put that into, um, into Facebook. And so I was just posting those on Facebook to get people to talk about, you know, ride sharing and all that sort of thing. But I guess the thing is, is that because I posted this stuff on Facebook and not on my personal website, I'm posting it on Facebook knowing that other people are going to see it. Where if I were to post on my personal website, I can guarantee you no one's going to read it. Why? Because no one even knows I have a personal. No one's there. Mention it. Yeah, I may mention it. No one's passively checking your website. Right. Which is where, like, going back to Live Journal or anything like Live Journal, is that there was a built-in network that was that was there. Even WordPress.com kind of has its own little networking type thing of being able to like hit the star button next to a post, and that says that you read it, and you can get more stars. It's almost like the equivalent of whatever Tumblr does, where it has its like reblogs and that sort of thing or medium with its claps which it actually 
comedian bases uh, its monetization off of those claps in terms of what it pays and also who it offers firewall, paywall monetization options. So I've had friends who I see every week for years and they'll go, oh, you have a blog? I had no idea you're right. And then they'll come <laughs> back a little bit later, like having spent a few minutes reading through and it, it's just, they have no idea it's there versus if I say something on Facebook, 50 of my friends will probably see it in a day. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's something you run into like in the handmade community, people who are selling online, they don't really want to go to WordPress and install WooCommerce. They want to go where there's a built-in network of shoppers like Etsy. Mm-hmm. And like that's town hall or square. Yeah. So we have all of these <clears throat> disparate networks that are fighting really hard to keep their data within the walled garden. And it's, it needs to change. It, it kind of, it's, it's not like I'm a, you know, getting super retro about it, but really where things were in 2018 with RSS and XML than what we have today with a lot of hacks. Like you want your Twitter feed to be in order. There are some hacks for that that you can do in the search bar, um, which is fun. And everybody likes to be in the know. Everybody likes to be in the secret society where you know the hack to make it work for you. But at a certain point and at a certain time in your life, you don't want to have to hack something. You want it to work. Mm -hmm. Right. It's no longer fun. It's no longer ordering off the secret menu it's it, it's kind it's of like with my operating system i used to really care about tweaking everything in windows making it look exactly like what i want uh changing all the settings and now on mac i, I don't think twice it's dark mode or light mode that's it <laughs> skinning <laughs> napster back in the day <laughs> yes yeah exactly Winamp. <laughs> This is, I just want to, this is a really interesting topic and I think an important one to keep revisiting in different ways because it's not a, you just went so meta. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 One one of the things that's hit me is like, all right, my son is eight years old now. He's expressed his interest in having a website and I'm like, how do I, where do, how do I guide him? Like, how do I? And it's, and I've had some discussions with him and I've encouraged him to like, well, start writing out what you think you'd want to put and think about why and what you'd want to do. But I want to strongly encourage it. And that's helped to frame my thinking over the past few months and say, okay, what web are we building for our kids? Yeah. What's this going to look like for them? What's the future look like? And I personally, I'm fine with these walled gardens existing because I think they drive innovation um, in important ways. But for me, I want the open web to be healthy and strong. And, and today I feel like there's a lot of very legitimate risks that don't just get addressed on their own. You know, something that we don't talk about all the time that uh, is definitely impacting the WordPress world in terms of those walled gardens. And you're talking about where innovation happens. Those walled gardens also have something that comes along with them that, you know, called the golden noose, which I didn't actually knew had a name, but I referred to all the time uh, with my brother because he's a genius programmer and he worked for MySpace and invented, like created the top eight and did, you know, it was awesome. And basically they just were like, we're just going to throw money at you. And so you don't leave. We don't really care what you do. Just here's a bunch of money. Don't go anywhere. And that is, I feel like what a lot of, um, tech companies do. They throw a bunch of money at some talented people and they're like, come up with some stuff. So yes, that drives innovation, but it also keeps those people from innovating on their own and keeps them within, again, that walled garden. Everything they do, all their intellectual property, everything that they do is for that company. So the motivation to create, just to create, 
these coding developer minds, it's not there because they don't own it. It's not going to be theirs if they work for them. You know what I mean? It's just not. So they, then they have to leave and take time off and stuff. And so, you know, innovation happens there because it's well paid and there's cafeterias and laundromats and stuff. And if they weren't bribing everybody to stay there, what would the web actually look like? We probably wouldn't have awesome stuff inside walled gardens. We'd probably have what it looked like back, what it was going to look like before they threw up all their walls. One point to that, I was just reading that <laughs> well, this week about the, the guy who founded Instagram. He tried to get hired at Facebook before then, and it didn't work out for some reason. So then he goes and builds Instagram and incidentally gets, you know, he sells it to Facebook. But the idea being, to your point, um, would he have created Instagram under the auspice of Facebook? No, um, he would have created what Mark Zuckerberg's vision was, not what his it, vision was. We can never know for sure, but the answer is probably no. He probably would not have made this completely different software under Facebook. Um, and it's the world is a different place because he did that because he went out on his own and made that software. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I think, Double-edged I think sword. Whole- I think our homework for today is if you had some homework um, between now and, you know, the first or second, when you actually go back to work, if you're a full-time employed person like me, or if you, if you, you know, you got some, you got some days off, you got some things to, to work on before you have to pick up your next projects in the beginning of the year. Um, look at the indie web, go to indieweb.org. Um, I've been using a, a software through them called Bridgie. And there's a, there's a couple other things that are kind of tied into this. It works with using like backtracks and, um, using mm-hmm. a back feed and all these different ways of kind of making websites talk to each other. Um, definitely take a look at that. It's, it's something that I've really enjoyed uh, playing around with and kind of seeing the things that people are doing with it. And I think overall it might be, I'm, I'm not saying it's the future, but it's definitely something that um, is setting a good trajectory for the future of making those sites all talk to each other. I've been having a lot of these conversations and I'm really excited for the future of the web, honestly. I wasn't for a minute. It looked kind of bleak, but everyone's kind of like rallying. It's awesome. I guess as long as we can get IE6 to stop being like the the thing we have to worry about, we should be just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for all of our folks here on our panel to come and hang out with me during the, what'd you call it? Say the dark days, the black (laughs) dead week, dead week, the dead Dead week. Where, where content goes to die or where uh, somebody <laughs> recorded something back in September and now they're playing it finally. You know, they have a, you know, it's like I watched the Today Show this morning and having all of those folks kind of like, oh, this is actually recorded right now. It's not live. <laughs> We're actually recorded from like a couple of weeks back. I'm like, really? Come on. So thank you very much for you guys for hanging out with us. I saw some folks in the chat hanging out and talking with us and stuff. So I'll make sure that uh, our panelists here are able to take a look at that. And I want to say uh, thank you very much for um, uh, Desktop Server for helping us out with um, the technologies that we're using here and paying it for us. Appreciate that. Talk to y'all later.